This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, you might be thinking to yourself, wait a minute, guys, wait a minute. Kyle, Kyle, it's not three o'clock in the morning on a Thursday. Why is there a podcast coming out on a random Friday? Well, the thing is, is there certain things that you release on the podcast that can be released anytime because it's a large philosophical topic or something like that. But then there's other things that are only going to be in the news for a short second. And so I want to talk to you guys about it while I'm hot about it, right? And I'm I'm hot coming in on this one, right? I mean, there's a lot of things to be mad about in this world, but this is one of the dumbest things. I feel like I'm surrounded by dumb people. I feel like I'm the one guy who can read in a room full of idiots. That, like, that's what I feel like right now. So before I really get into the topic, even what it is, I need to make a public service announcement here. I need to make a disclaimer here because some of you have heard me say this and you've forgotten that I've said it. So I'm going to say it again. And it's not going to be the last time I've said it. And it's certainly not the first time. Guys, I did not vote for Donald Trump. Okay. I had two opportunities to vote for Donald Trump in the uh, election running up to the general election here in the state of Oklahoma. I chose not to vote for Donald Trump then in the primaries. And then in the general election, I left the top of my ballot blank. I did not think that Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton met my basic standards of human decency worthy of my vote. Even though I know that my vote doesn't count in the state of Oklahoma in the general election, because we're going to be red as red as red. Every county, everything will be red across the state of Oklahoma. I knew that, but I just could not bring myself to do it. Okay. I don't consider myself a Trump defender, right? I consider myself a person that no matter who is in the White House, I'm going to root for them to make the right decisions for the country, whether that's Donald Trump, whether that's Barack Obama, whether that's Bush the older, Bush the younger, Bill Clinton, Nixon, Washington, whoever is in office at the time that I'm living in this country, I want them to do well. I want them to do things that are according to some sort of a a positive outcome or something like that. That's what I'm going to do. But I swear to goodness, you guys are making me defend Trump. And I'm not just saying you guys listening to this because I know a lot of you guys are Trump supporters, but I'm just saying you guys in general, you're making me defend Trump with some of the nonsense. Again, some people think the fact that Trump derangement syndrome is a phrase that has been coined at this point is ridiculous, but it's real. It is freaking real. And it's been no more apparent to me than what I just read in an article yesterday. And I'm just bringing it to you today, but it was a December 19th article, which was yesterday as of the recording of this from, of all places, Christianity today. Yes. Christianity today. Okay. Which is a huge Christian news site. They published an article entitled Trump should be removed from office. Okay. Not really any question as to what this article is going to be about, but it was written by their editor in chief, uh, Mark Galli, Galli, whatever, G-A-L-L-I, Mark. So Mark G wrote this. So here's the thing. I'm just going to read this article to you and I'm going to do my absolute level best to just read it deadpan, to just read it like, you know, I'm reading out loud in class, no motion, no nothing. But I just want to see if you catch some of the things that I'm then going to go back into the article and talk about. Okay. Because a lot of this is next level ridiculous and hyperbolic. But again, like I said, I'm going to do my level best to just read it regular since I know most of you guys aren't even going to read this article. Maybe you didn't even know this article existed, but just follow along with me again. It's not that long, but here we go. Get a little sip of water. Let's do this. All right, here we go. In our founding documents, Billy Graham explains that Christianity today will help evangelical Christians interpret the news in a manner that reflects their faith. The impeachment of Donald Trump is a significant event in the story of our republic. It requires comment. 
The typical CT, that's Christianity Today, approach is to stay above the fray and allow Christians with different political convictions to make their arguments in the public square, to encourage all to pursue justice according to their convictions and treat their political opposition as charitably as possible. We want CT to be a place that welcomes Christians from across the political spectrum and reminds everyone that politics is not the end and purpose of our being. We take pride in the fact, for instance, that politics does not dominate our homepage. That said, we do feel it necessary from time to time to make our own opinions on political matters clear. Always, as Graham encouraged us, doing so with both conviction and love. We love and pray for our president as we love and pray for our leaders, as well as ordinary citizens on both sides of the political aisle. Let's grant this to the president. The Democrats have had it out for him from day one, and therefore, nearly everything they do is under a cloud of partisan suspicion. This has led many to suspect not only motives, but facts in these recent impeachment hearings. And no, Mr. Trump did not have a serious opportunity to offer his side of the story in the House hearings on impeachment. But the facts in this instance are unambiguous. The President of the United States attempted to use his political power to coerce a foreign leader to harass and discredit one of the President's political opponents. That is not only a violation of the Constitution, more importantly, it is profoundly immoral. The reason many are not shocked about this is that the president has dumbed down the idea of morality in his administration. He has hired and fired a number of people who are now convicted criminals. He himself has admitted to immoral actions in business and his relationships with women, about which he remains proud. His Twitter feed alone, with its habitual strings of mischaracterizations, lies, and slanders, is a near-perfect example of a human being who is morally lost and confused. Trump's evangelical supporters have pointed to his Supreme Court nominees, his defense of religious liberty, and his stewardship of the economy, among other things, as achievements that justify their support of the president. We believe the impeachment hearings have made it absolutely clear in a way that the Mueller investigation did not, that President Trump has abused his authority for personal gain and betrayed his constitutional oath. The impeachment hearings have illuminated the president's moral deficiencies for all to see. This damages the institution of the presidency, damages the reputation of our country, and damages both the spirit and the future of our people. None of the president's positives can balance the immoral and political danger we face under a leader of such a grossly immoral, immoral character. This concern for the character of our nation, nation, sorry, our national leader is not new to CT. In 1998, we wrote this, quote, The president's failure to tell the truth, even when cornered, rips at the fabric of the nation. This is not a private affair. For above all, social intercourse is built on the presumption of trust. Trust that the milk your grocery, uh, your grocer sells you is wholesome and pure. Trust that the money you put in the bank can be taken out of the bank. Trust that your babysitter, firefighters, clergy, and ambulance drivers will all do their best. And while politicians are notorious for breaking campaign promises, while in office, they have the fundamental obligation to uphold our trust in them and to live by the law, unquote. And this, quote, unsavory dealings and immoral acts of the president and those close to him have rendered this administration morally unable to lead, unquote. Unfortunately, the words that we applied to Mr. Clinton 20 years ago apply almost perfectly to our current president. Whether Mr. Trump should be removed from office by the Senate or by popular vote next election, that is a matter of prudential judgment. That he should be removed, we believe, is not a matter of partisan loyalties, but loyalty to the creator of the Ten Commandments. To the many evangelicals who continue to support Mr. Trump in spite of his blackened moral record, we might say this, remember who you are and whom you serve. Consider how your justification of Mr. Trump influences your witness to your Lord and Savior. Consider that an unbelieving world will say, if you continue to brush off Mr. Trump's immoral words and behavior in the cause of political expediency. If we don't reverse course now, 
Will anyone take anything we say about justice and righteousness with any seriousness for decades to come? Can we say with a straight face that abortion is a great evil that cannot be tolerated and, with the same straight face, say that the bent and broken character of a nation's leader doesn't really matter in the end? We have reserved judgment on Mr. Trump for years now. Some have criticized us for our reserve. But when it comes to condemning the behavior of another, patient charity must come first. So we have done our best to give evangelical Trump supporters their due, to try to understand their point of view, to see the prudential nature of so many political decisions they have made regarding Mr. Trump. To use an old cliche, it's time to call a spade a spade. To say that no matter how many hands we win in this political poker game, we are playing with a stacked deck of gross immorality and ethical incompetence. And just when we think it's time to push all of our chips into the center of the table, that's when the whole game will come crashing down. It will crash down on the reputation of evangelical religion and on the world's understanding of the gospel. And it will come crashing down on a nation of men and women whose welfare is also our concern. Okay, so hopefully I did a good enough job for you guys. For any of you guys that are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here, But here we go. We need to go back into certain sections of this just to talk about it just a little bit. So I'm going to go in order. So if you read that in order, you can find these in order. So let's go back to this quote. The typical CT approach is to stay above the fray and allow Christians with different political convictions to make their arguments in the public square, to encourage all to pursue justice according to their convictions and treat their political opposition with charitably, as charitably as possible. So I'm just so glad, guys. I'm so glad that CT finds it in his heart to stay above the fray right? I mean, they're just in such a great position of power being human beings that write articles and post them online. I'm so glad that they can stay above the fray. And it's interesting that they use the phrase above the fray so early in the article, so as to substantiate the rest of the nonsense that comes after this, because not long after this sentence, the craziest and most dishonest, ridiculous quote of the entire article is this. So here we go. But the facts in this instance, are unambiguous. The president of the United States attempted to use his political power to coerce a foreign leader to harass and discredit one of the president's political opponents. That is not only a violation of the Constitution, more importantly, it's profoundly immoral. So here's a question. Based on what evidence? What evidence are you getting this from? CT, the writer of this article? Because by my recollection, there were hundreds of Democrats, their entire staffs, political pundits, professors, newscasters, newspapers, all kinds of people tried to prove that unambiguously, and they failed miserably. That is why all the polling for President Trump right now is surging everywhere, including all the battleground states, because we've been watching this nonsense in the House of Representatives for weeks now, and it's clear that they don't have the goods. They just don't. And here's the main evidence to prove that I'm right. The two articles for impeachment that were voted on by the House, right? And they convicted Donald Trump in the House of Representatives on these two articles. Neither of them are even crimes, right? None of them are crimes. The only thing that they ever brought up that could be considered a crime is bribery. And yet they didn't even charge him with bribery. And here's a little tidbit before I go back into the bribery thing. Remember when we heard quid pro quo all the time? I guarantee you there for like 24 hours in a row, you heard the quid pro quo more in that 24 hours than you've ever heard it in your entire life. And yet the Democrats started to change their vernacular to be bribery, 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 bribery. That's what they said every time they had a microphone in front of them was bribery. Do you know why they did that? 
Well, lo and behold, in these battleground states, these purple states that they need to win to get the White House back in 2020, whenever they said the phrase quid pro quo, most people don't know what that means. And that doesn't make them stupid. We can't know everything. Most people don't know what that means. And so they did study groups to see what words resonated more with people when it came to President Trump. And the one word that resonated more with everybody, because it's easy to understand and we all have some sort of an idea what it is, was bribery. And so they started saying bribery. Isn't that interesting? In battleground states, they started using a word that would attach a negative connotation to somebody, right? Bribery. But after all of the evidence was presented, after everybody came to the microphone in their best suit and whatever the thing was, they didn't even charge him with bribery. And bribery is an actual crime. It's actually on the books because they didn't have the evidence. They didn't have the goods. So I go back to this quote. How in the world does the editor-in-chief at Christianity Today somehow surmise from all of that that the guilt of our president was proven unambiguously? How is that even possible? Again, I feel crazy supporting this man who is so clearly a boob in many ways and immoral in others. Like, I get it. But what are you talking about? The guy that wrote this article, what in the world are you talking about? Did you watch the same hearings that I did? Because it's as if a writer from the New York Times wrote this. They're so desperate to smash Trump. But to say that unambiguously, this was proven, is absolutely baseless and absurd. It's crazy. But let's keep going. The next quote I want to give you is this one. We believe the impeachment hearings have made it absolutely clear in a way that the Mueller investigation did not, that President Trump has abused his authority for personal gain and betrayed his constitutional oath. Again, based on what? Based on what? Do you have some evidence that we don't all have? Did they send a special report to Christianity today that they haven't quite released yet? Based on what? Because here's the thing about Donald Trump, because again, like I told you, I'm always rooting for the president, whether they're wearing a red tie or a blue tie, blue tie. I'm always rooting for the president. But the thing about it is every time there's one of these quote unquote scandals about Donald Trump and he comes out on, on the other end, on the other side of it, unscathed, I like him more. We spent two years with them trumpeting on CNN and MSNBC and the, you know, the Washington Post and New York Times and LA Times. This Russian conspiracy and Mueller was going to get to the bottom of it. They were selling candles with his image on it because he was going to save the Republic and they didn't find anything. They didn't find anything that was nefarious. Any of the things that they claimed that they were going to be able to find, they didn't find it. And and so it's like, and, and then now we've got this thing and the whistleblower that everyone's kind of forgotten about. This is a person that has befriended the Bidens who had been friends with the Bidens, who is obviously a partisan, maybe even a political hack. And that's the source of the whistleblower complaint. And we can't even question this person. What? What are you talking about? But, but again, the main point here is what does the editor in chief of Christianity today have that we don't? It makes no sense. Another quote here, the impeachment hearings have illuminated the president's moral deficiencies for all to see. I just got to be honest and you Trump people, you're going to hate me for saying this, but was that ever in question? Was it ever in question that President Trump is not a moral guy on his third marriage? Probably had a few love children, may have paid for an abortion or two. Like, I'm not claiming that. I have no evidence of that. But with a guy that has as, as many, you know, ramblings and, and, and stuff that he's done with women, can you, can you imagine that that didn't happen? It's just kind of one of those things. This is not a highly moral person. Like, why, why would you even need to point that out? And again, some of you would be like, well, that's the entire point of the article. But that's, you don't, you know, take someone out of office because they're an immoral person. If someone were to divorce their spouse 
while in the in the White House because they cheated on them. Like, you're not going to impeach them for that. And don't talk to me about Bill Clinton. He wasn't impeached because he took advantage of an early 20s intern in the White House and had sex with her. Um, that wasn't in question. It was that the fact that he lied to Congress about it, right? Next quote here. This damages the institution of the presidency, damages the reputation of our country, and damages both the spirit and the future of our people. What does that even mean? The future of our people? Will Americans cease to exist if Donald Trump is not removed from the White House? What in the world are you talking about? Hyperbolic much? Get out of here. Next quote. Unfortunately, the words that we applied to Mr. Clinton 20 years ago apply almost perfectly, almost perfectly to our current president, except for the fact that there was actually evidence to convict Clinton in the Senate. They had the goods. They had the goods. He lied. A lot of people don't care about the fact, even though I do, they don't care about the fact that he used his position of power and influence to probably take advantage of an early 20s young lady. Now, she was a grown woman. She could make her own decisions, but you can't tell me the fact that it was the president of the White House pulling down his pants after he unzipped it and let his wiener fall out, that that didn't have something to do with it. The fact that it was in the Oval Office. Get out of here. But he lied about it. He lied to the American people and he lied to Congress. That's perjury. It's freaking illegal. He could have been removed from office, but he wasn't. But he could have. But to say that this perfectly applies in the same way to our current president based on what standard? Like, again, what evidence do you have that we don't have? Next quote. It doesn't get worse. Like, I feel like my voice is going to go before my brain does, but here we go. Next quote. Whether Mr. Trump should be removed from office by the Senate or by popular vote next election, that is a matter of prudential judgment. That he should be removed, we believe, is not a matter of partisan loyalties, but loyalty to the creator of the Ten Commandments. What in the actual F are you talking about? What in the world are you talking about? So, it is a matter of loyalty to God that we remove Donald Trump from the presidency of a singular country in the world that God created. We must be loyal to God. And in order for us to do that, follow the flow chart. Yes, we have to remove Donald Trump from office. You have not made the point and not given the evidence that would lead to that outcome. What are you talking about? Nonsense. This is all nonsense. And it doesn't get better. They keep going. To many evangelicals who continue to support Mr. Trump in spite of his blackened moral record, we might say this. That's so cute. We might say this as they're saying it. But here we go. Remember who you are and whom you serve. Consider how your justification of Mr. Trump influences your witness to your Lord and Savior. Consider what an unbelieving world will say if you continue to brush off Mr. Trump's immoral words and behavior in the cause of political expediency. If we don't reverse course now, will anyone take anything we say about justice and righteousness with any seriousness for decades to come? Guys, so if anyone from Christianity Today is listening to this, I'm sure you're not listening to it still, but maybe, who knows? You could literally say the same thing about any human being ever. I would ask you this. What is the difference between supporting a political candidate and supporting your favorite movie star or, or singer or quarterback or anything like that? The only difference is, is we don't vote for our favorite movie stars, singers, quarterbacks, and whatever. We, we don't vote for those people. 
You might wear a shirt with their face on it. You might wear a hat with their name on it. You might do one of those things, but we don't vote for it. That's literally the only difference. And so can we say that if anybody that works for Christianity Today has ever listened to a Michael Jackson song and enjoyed it and danced and snapped to the whole thing, that somehow they don't have the ability to stand up for justice and righteousness anymore with any seriousness? Really? Trump is that important that if you voted for him back in 2016 or intend to vote for him in 2020, that somehow you will not be able to stand up as a witness for Jesus Christ. Are you serious? And again, I'm not saying Trump's a good dude. He's a boob. He says dumb things. I think he might be stupid when it comes to a lot of things. He's good at some things and he's bad at some things. He seems to be a moron when he talks. He can't spell right sometimes. He capitalizes words on Twitter that don't need to be capitalized. The dude's annoying. He's also hilarious. But to say that he's this important, that we, if supporting him, if we support him, that this is going to be the end of the Christian witness in America. Why? Based on what? Now, you might think I've been fired up this entire time, This quote I'm about to say about made my head explode and it's making other people's heads explode because they don't understand why people are looking at it negatively. So here's the quote. Can we say with a straight face that abortion is a great evil that cannot be tolerated and with the same straight face say that the bent and broken character of our nation's leader doesn't really matter in the end? Yes. Yes, we most certainly can. Yeah. How in the world do we connect those two things? You can say that abortion is a great evil, that it's murder, that it's nonsense, that the people need to be prosecuted and buried under the prison. And at the same time say that if Donald Trump's in office for four or eight years, the fact that he lied about most of his relationships and he's done some shady things really doesn't matter in the end. You can absolutely say that because these aren't equivocable. Is that even a word? I think I just made up a word because I'm so mad. They're they're not able to be equated. They're, They're not able to be equaled out, those two things. Yes, you can say that at the exact same time with the same straight face. And I can't remember who said it because I didn't actually see the quote, but some political pundit on, on Twitter or on, on their podcast or something like that said, yes, you can absolutely vote for somebody that is against abortion and that they've also cheated on their spouses. Yes, you can absolutely do that. Now, where you would be wrong is to say, yes, abortion is a great evil. And you know what? Uh, if you cheat on your wife, it's no big deal because I like uh, the way you sound at rallies. Of course, but but no legitimate thinking person would ever say something ridiculous like that. They just wouldn't do it, right? But again, to say that, it, it I, I just don't even understand. I don't even understand how they get to this point. Like, what do you have to do? How much do you have to hate somebody to write this article? And, and to write that, because this article wasn't even about abortion. Like the March for Life isn't going on. There's not some challenge to Roe v. Wade that, that had just come to the forefront. But to say that it, you can't talk about the evils of abortion if you support President Trump, based on what? Again, how many times, play a drinking game. How many times does Kyle say, based on what? You have to take a shot. But at the same time, what exactly are you trying to prove by saying that? Because you're, you know, making equal abortion and the things that are therein and the fact that Donald Trump has a very dubious relationship with the truth. But again, this entire article, because that's the last quote I'm going to do from the article, the entire article is about the impeachment of a sitting president, which technically, funny enough, if 
Nancy Pelosi, the House Majority Leader, if she doesn't send the articles of impeachment over to the Senate, he's technically not even impeached. That's something you're not going to hear about on the news very much. He's not the third president to be impeached so far because the articles have to go over the Senate for, to, for trial for it to be an official impeachment in the House. Until that happens, it's not even technically an impeachment. But let's just assume most people don't know that, know that and they don't even care. and They're going to say he's the third president that's ever been impeached, blah, blah, blah. The entire article is about him being removed from office because of what he talked about on the phone with President Vladimir Zelensky of Ukraine. And they spent months and months and millions of dollars investigating it and trying to figure it out and bringing up this person with their point of view and that person that was supposed to have knowledge and nothing ever happened. They didn't have the goods. Am I saying that it was a perfect phone call that there was no, uh, there was no expectation on the phone call? No, but here's the other thing that the, you know, editor in chief of Christianity today is assuming they assume that they know the intent of another human being because you can read the transcript and read into it, whatever you want. You can read in, in, into it nefarious things about Trump's demeanor and whatever, and you could read into it innocent things because you love Trump. But to assume that you know the difference because you're the editor-in-chief of Christianity Today, it makes no sense. It's ridiculous. But before I let you guys go, I got a lot of random quick thoughts that I'm just going to throw at you. I promise I'm done ranting here very shortly. The first thing I got to throw out there, this was a clickbait article, and they knew that. CT knew that from the beginning. This was clickbait. But the thing about it is, is you wait until now to post it. You wait until three years into his presidency, and now you want to pile on because your buddies over at the New York Times and your buddies down at the DNC, they, they've given you permission somehow now. And you put it under the auspices of, no, we wanted to give uh, evangelicals a long runway to think about, you know, why they're supporting Donald Trump, even with all his foibles. And uh, we, we don't like taking editorial stances on politics and we're really proud. Give me a break, freaking losers. Next thing, can they pat themselves on the back any harder? These people at Christianity Today, they're just, oh man, we're just, we're above the fray, you know, but we had to come down out of the clouds and descend onto humanity to basically protect them from themselves. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. You really protected us on this one. The next thing, it's clear that Christianity Today and its employees, they have an ax to grind with Donald Trump. And again, I'm not a huge supporter of this guy, but and there's a lot of things not to like, but this read like a jaded ex-girlfriend wrote it. You know, one that, you know, went to journalism school, but jaded nonetheless. The next thing is it's really, really important to call balls and strikes with guys like Donald Trump and with everyone with that matter. If you're going to be intellectually honest, you should be able to call balls and strikes. Hey, he said this, this was wrong. I don't agree with it. Hey, he said this, this was right. I agree with it. And one of the good examples for me, I go back and I've talked about this before. Barack Obama was president of our country for two terms for eight years. I did not vote for him each time. I voted for McCain and I voted for Romney, right? But he was my president. The moment he was elected, I didn't understand when I was in college when people said, oh, George W. Bush isn't my president. It's like, well, are you a U.S. citizen? Well, yeah. Well, then, yeah, that's an easy flow chart. He is your president, right? What, what exactly are you talking about? He, he's your president. So Barack Obama was my president, and I disagree with almost everything that, I, that he did. But there were certain things in certain positions that he took that I'm like, yeah, I can get behind that. Call balls and strikes. It's not all one way or the other. And that, that's the other thing is politics, just like life, is very rarely a zero-sum game right? Trump can do some things that you like. And if Trump did it and you like it, and when Obama did it, you hated it. You're being inconsistent. If when Obama did it, you liked it. When Trump does it, you hate it. That's inconsistent. You can't be that way. You have to be down the middle. You have to call balls and strikes. But again, this isn't a zero sum game. 
I mean, most people are kind of good with some of the things that Trump's doing, some of the benefits that they're getting from the society that the Trump administration, which goes far beyond the orange man, like the entire administration. But at the same time, like, it's not as if we've got to have, we've got to get him or we've got to get him out. This idea that it's a zero sum game, that we can either support Trump or we can have a good Christian witness is absurd. Either we can be anti-abortion, but we would also at the same time have to be anti-Trump. That doesn't make any sense. Like, it's not a zero-sum game. Here's another thing. Supporting Trump as a candidate does not mean that you support all of his foibles and all of his immoralities and everything that he's ever said. Because, duh! You can support a candidate and be like, yeah, that was pretty stupid. When he said that at the rally, yeah, I don't really agree with that. How many candidates, if you were to go down the line and go through thousands and thousands of possible things that you could have a position on, how many times are you going to be 100% supportive of, of a particular candidate? Every time there's a a general election with the Republican Party, I take some of those litmus tests that are online that, you know, kind of take you through all these different things that are, you know, domestic issues and international issues and blah, blah, blah. And then they give you a percentage score of which candidate you align with. Now they're all Republicans or they're all Democrats or they're all independents or Green Party or Libertarians or whatever. But then they give a person that you align with the most. In the most basic ways, I either like this or don't like this. No nuance in those things, right? This just basic down the middle. It's almost impossible to get a 100% on any of those tests. It's almost impossible. So even the people that you support the most, that doesn't mean you support everything they've ever said and everything they've ever done. Of course not. Guys, there are things that I said. I just got a text from a buddy this week and it's a message that I sent him on Facebook like 15 years ago and it was, it was inappropriate. I probably thought it was funny because I was 19 years old and I thought things like that were funny, but it's not something I would say today. And if you guys were to see that message or hear something that I said when I was in ninth grade or hear something that I believed when I was 14 years old or something like that, you probably wouldn't be a huge fan of it. And guess what? That's why we evolve as people. We get better. We get smarter. We make better decisions. I don't care if people flip flop on issues. I care if they flip flop, you know, uh, just for political gain. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. But at the same time, this idea that you have to support someone in everything that they say is ridiculous. So if you're an always Trumper, that doesn't make any sense. If you're a never Trumper, that equally makes no sense, right? You don't have to support everybody, even if you support what they like or what they do, right? Another thing is articles like this would have made the founders of our country absolutely sick. And the biggest reason is because the president of the United States was never supposed to be this powerful and impactful. Never. There's this outsized importance that the president has now. And and I don't know that we can take that back to a single moment where this is where the whole thing broke down or whatever the situation may be, but this is not how it was supposed to be. Because guess what? If you, how it was supposed to be is if you hated Donald Trump, it's not going to really bother you that much. If you hated Barack Obama, it's not going to really bother you that much because there are co-equal branches of government that can protect the citizenry, Right. So if they make a bunch of bad decisions, that's like, there's people close to me that live near, near Fort Sill down in Lawton. And they actually say stupid things like all this tweeting and all this, whatever Trump's going to get all these boys killed out here. What are you talking about? You think Trump can just unilaterally send thousands and thousands of men to their death in a useless, desolate area? No, you can't do that. That's not something that can happen. People are like, do you really want Donald Trump to have the nuclear codes? Uh, I don't care if he has a nuclear codes because guess what? He can't tweet out the nuclear codes and shoot off nukes at some random country. That's not how this works. What is wrong with you people? How can you be this stupid?
How can you possibly be this stupid? But last thing, so I can be done ranting and go drink a Gatorade. Guys, if you think that one man can destroy America, you're a moron. If you think any person, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, anything, can destroy America, you're stupid. You're a dum-dum. It's not possible. Now, will people look at us differently? Sure. People respected us when George W. Bush was in office, but then towards the end of his tenure, he was getting crushed by the media as, a, as an idiot and as a warmonger and all these things. And then we didn't look great to the world stage. Then Barack Obama came out and, you know, he goes on this tour of, of the world, basically apologizing for the fact that America is so awesome. And people started liking Americans more overseas, which who freaking cares about that? But then Americans didn't feel as good. They cut the military. We didn't feel as safe, whatever the situation might be. And now Donald Trump's in office. And people make fun of us from other countries. At which point I say, who freaking cares? We live here. I don't care what somebody in Greece thinks about what's going on in America. I don't care. As an American, I don't care. I care about what's happening in this country right now in this exact instance. But the idea that electing one candidate and getting one candidate wrong can ruin an entire republic is absolutely asinine. And the same thing is true, guys, if you're one of those people that lives and dies with local elections, you know, you're, you're electing the, you know, the dog catcher or the, you know, the sheriff or even a senator or something like that. And you think that's the be all end all. And if we elect the wrong person, it's going to be into this school district. It's going to be into this town. It's going to be the end of the state. It's going to be into the world. It's just not, it's not. When we have this outsized view of importance, we diminish the size of God and his ability to intercede. Now, you might also say that God will give us over to our sin and all those things. He's done that before. We see that in the Old Testament. I get it. I'm with you. I understand. But articles like this do nothing because this article was immediately shared by everyone on the left, Democrats, atheists. Those people loved this article because they can say, see, see, Christians even don't like Donald Trump anymore. But again, it's not going to matter in the end. The fact that Donald Trump is a boob and immoral in a lot of areas in his life. It really doesn't matter in the end. Christianity today, it doesn't matter in the end. And do you know why? Because Jesus wins because his blood covers all. And we're not going to even be talking about this week in politics 30 years from now. He's going to be a footnote in some sort of a quiz bowl thing at some local bar. We're not going to be talking about it. The Republic will not be over. Okay. Oh, <sighs> Guys, we made it. 35 minutes of ranting. I think that's a new record. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now, we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. And specifically, we do that by providing content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical toughness, just like this podcast. And guys, we normally just release them every Thursday morning. This was a special instance. And so what I'm giving you today is this stupid article. So if you would like to read this stupid article, feel free to go ahead and do it. They've already gotten a bunch of clicks, which was their point from the beginning. So you might as well give them a few more. Guys, thanks as always for listening to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Google Play and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, please leave us one and leave us a few sentences letting us know why you like the content. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the entirety of 2020. So if you want me to come speak on your podcast, at your men's event, at your camp, at your company, just let me know. Info at undaunted.life. Again, the email is info at undaunted.life. The website is www.undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undaunted life. Check out our free devotionals on the Uversion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is their song King of Sorrow, which is off their latest record entitled Phantom Anthem. The links are in the description.
I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness, keep seeking the Lion of Judah.